Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank using the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. So for today's episode, we have a very special guest. Um, his name is Paul Moore. He's a contributor to Fox Business, author of three real estate investment books, and a managing partner for several commercial real estate funds. He has been a guest on over 200 podcasts and has a live weekly show on Bigger Pockets, the world's largest real estate investment forum. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining us. You know, you know, Paul, I'm really excited to talk more about real estate investing and all the other intricate parts of real estate. But before that, I'm, I'm, I want to know more about your background. How did you get into real estate and, and talk a little bit about your background before real estate? Yeah, so I had a, an engineering degree and an MBA. I went to Ford Motor Company headquarters for five years. And I had this entrepreneurial itch. So I started a company with a friend of mine. We, we did a staffing firm in Michigan. We sold it to a public firm about five years later. And I kind of wandered accidentally into flipping houses and then flipping waterfront lots and then building houses. Big mistake. And uh, it started, uh, it was a big mistake for somebody who doesn't know how to tighten their own doorknob uh, to build a house. And I think that's one of the things I learned from this whole journey. I ended up doing a subdivision and all this other stuff. But every time I tried to get hands off with something I wasn't an obsessed expert with, we talk about obsessed experts. I mean, think about the greatest Olympians, the greatest Olympic, Olympic athletes. They didn't get there by being casual. They were <laughs> obsessed. And whenever I tried to do something that I didn't get very focused, very obsessed, didn't have the knowledge on, I lost money. In fact, I have a podcast called How to Lose Money, where we interviewed 238 people over four years about their losses, their pain, their failures on the way to the top. And a lot of them lost money by having like a main job. And then they tried to do something on the side, which is kind of one of my life messages to not do that now. But <laughs> anyway, I eventually got into commercial real estate. We built a multifamily facility, then another one in North Dakota. And I ended up writing a book on multifamily investing, but now I've expanded into different realms right now. So that's kind of my quick story. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Now you talk about obsession. Does that connect with your big why, why people need to have, you know, their, their actual why on why, why they're doing certain things? You know, I've been on a lot of podcasts. You're the first person that ever asked me that. And I've got to think about it. <laughs> I will tell you, I woke up on October 7th, 1997 with 1.8 million or so in my bank account from selling our company. And I wasn't any happier, any more fulfilled. I didn't, I felt like a success, but it, all that feeling didn't go that far. I mean, I still had an argument with my wife that day and I was like, you know, Hey, this is not the pinnacle. And that's why I think people need to have a big, why something they're living for that's more eternal in nature, more metaphysical, something that transcends just money and wealth and, you know, getting there because I mean, look at all the really, really wealthy people who have shipwrecked lives. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have that. So I found out about five years ago that human trafficking touches almost everybody in some way. Did you know if you took the record, not the average, the record profits from General Motors, Nike, Starbucks, and Apple, rolled that all together, tripled that number, tripled the total record profits of those four corporations. That's approximately how much revenue is generated by human trafficking every year. 
Oh my God. It's an incredible thing. And I want to tell you, you know, if I'd have been alive in the 1800s, I would have, you know, hoped that I was fighting against slavery. And I would have hoped if I was an adult in the 1960s, you might think I was, um, <laughs> that I would have been fighting for civil rights. Well, this is a civil right. And this is slavery. And it's happening right now, right here. It's happening in Chicago. It's happening in Virginia. And so I want to make people aware of that. And I want to raise money and effort to try to fight this evil and rescue its victims. Oh my, I, I never knew it was that um, big of a problem because I probably never learned more about this problem. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit more about this. What are you doing to, to uh, combat this? So I'm actually, this is another one of those examples. I'm relying on the experts. You know, I'm not an expert. I'm not an obsessed person. I'm doing my real estate funds. And so I am trying to vet the best people out there who are doing something really powerful and meaningful and lasting in this arena. People like Exodus Cry based in Sacramento. And they're basically uh, funding, trying to get in front of governments. I mean, the founder spoke in front of the UN and basically said, look, this is how bad it is. And they're trying to fund efforts to, again, get this, get laws passed uh, to, to rescue women and, to, and children and try to stop this type of evil. And so that's one organization of several that I support. Okay, well, thank you for doing that. It's, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody do something like this. So thank you for, for doing this and opening our eyes to this um, world issue. Um, let's kind of shift gears now into uh, real estate. Now, you, you've mentioned that I think right now, I'm assuming actually that some of your niches right now within real estate are um, self-storage and mobile parks. Is that right? Yeah, mobile home parks and self-storage are the main things we're focusing on, focusing on right now, even mm -hmm. though I wrote a book called The Perfect Investment mm -hmm. about multifamily. Uh, the perfect investment ain't perfect. That's the first thing I ever used ain't on a podcast. <laughs> it's not perfect if you can't f find any deals that make financial sense. I mean, if I have to go, you know, if I have to pay, uh, you know, 20 or 30% more than the right value to get a deal, it's probably not perfect anymore. But in every other way, I love multifamily. That's why we are now focused on self-storage and mobile home parks. Okay. And, and why is that? What, what else comes, what are some of the benefits of doing self-storage in mobile parks? Yeah, this may sound abstract, but hang with me, okay? Michelangelo is one of the greatest sculptors of all time. And he looked at a block of marble and he was able to look at it and say, in this block of marble, I see the sculptor. The sculpture is already there. I just have to chip away all the excess material. And I thought, yeah, whatever, that's crazy. What is he talking about? But after I meditate on this, I realized there are properties in real estate. There are things in life that have great intrinsic value. Those people that were trafficked have great intrinsic value. You and I and every listener today has great intrinsic value. And so, but I'm looking for real estate assets that have this intrinsic value. And here's an example in the residential world that a lot of people could relate to. I was with my friend in Minneapolis and he was talking about buying a $400,000 uh, single family or maybe single family home really close to campus in Minneapolis. I'm like, why would you pay 400,000 for that house? He said, let me tell you why. He said, how much do you think it rents for? I said, I don't know, like what, 1500 a month? He said, exactly. And I said, 
that, that math doesn't work. My mm-hmm. friend, he said, yes, it does. He said, there are seven, there are places for seven beds in that four bedroom house and it's got a finished basement. So there's a room for seven or eight beds. We can rent it by the bed to students for 700 a month, do the math. And I said, oh, so 700 times, that's like 5,000 a month in mm-hmm. gross revenue. Mm-hmm. He's like, exactly. And that's the point. It, this house had much more intrinsic value that hardly anyone could see, but my friend could see it. And that's the power of unlocking intrinsic value. That's just like Michelangelo. He was able to unlock the intrinsic value and take that $200 block of marble and turn it into a priceless sculpture. And that's exactly what I am encouraging all real estate investors to do. And that is find a niche that has great intrinsic value uh, underlying assets. And I know I'm still speaking a little ethereally here, but I could get down to some examples if you want. Yes, please do. All right. So um, a friend of mine bought a, this is something we invested with him in. Um, He found a mobile home park in Louisville Mm -hmm. that had 311 spaces. The owner had unfortunately passed away five or six years before and the owner's wife lived two or three states away. She'd never been there in those five or six years. This is a major institutional size park that her husband had been running and now she had no interest in running it. So it was a little bit of decline, but it wasn't so much that it was in decline as it was, it had fallen way behind on market rent, on market policies, on management. The management expenses were extremely bloated and she didn't know. Uh, They were still paying for the utilities. The company was of 311 lots, they were paying the water and sewer. There were 50 vacant spots there. And so my friend bought it for $7.1 million. Now, to the seller, and of course, I don't know the seller, but I'm guessing she thought, you've got to be kidding. This is more than I could have ever dreamed. Because anybody in the real estate realm that knows cap rates, Mm -hmm. uh, basically, it's general rate of return for real estate and other assets, knows that the cap rates had basically caused real estate to almost double commercial real estate in the last 10 years, just the cap rate compression, as we call it. Mm -hmm. So she was benefiting from that incredibly and getting this incredible amount of money in her mind. And so my friend bought it. He saw that the rents were 35% below market and he raised the rents a little bit, not that much. He also started a plan to fill those 50 vacant slots. He also cut management and overhead expenses drastically. And he also passed the utilities back to the tenants, those four things. Well, within 10 months, Sari, last year, he, uh, I was with him. We visited the park in Louisville in January. He closed February of 2020. By December, he had an offer for $15 million and he sold that property for 15 million. Now think about the leverage component. Mm-hmm. He had three and a half million dollars of my cash and our investors cash. And some of those investors, by the way, are bank on yourself or, you know, infinite banking Mm -hmm. uh, clients. A bunch of them are. Okay. We took their money and Mm -hmm. our money and we put it in there. We bought this. We had three and a half million cash in it. Guess how much cash came out in just 10 months? Over $10 million of cash came back out of that three and a half million dollars in. Because, you know, the banks, the corporate banks out there didn't get to share in those profits on their 3.6 million in debt. 
we, the equity investors, all did. And so the bank on yourself, uh, again, I don't know if I'm using the right word, but the mm -hmm. infinite mm -hmm. banking clients and I got to have incredible profits from this. And here's the point. That intrinsic value was already there in the park. It just needed to be managed. It needed to be basically this need to be run professionally. And I've got lots of other examples like this. It's very hard to find deals like that on Wall Street or anywhere else right now. But if you have the right operating partner, you can get deals like that. You know, I, I want to kind of elaborate more on what you said about the bank on yourself. Um, so what that would mean, for example, is somebody who has like $100,000 in their yep. bank on their self policy, um, they could leverage that, borrow against that, and then invest with you. And then um, they would get the returns like you mentioned. Um, yes. and then be able to pay their loan back. And then even in some cases, be able to buy another whole life policy with their profits, their, the access, uh, the difference between what they borrow and what they gain, they can buy another policy, or even if they have room in the policy, they can even add more into it. So you're right. There's a lot of phenomenal things you could do with infinite banking connected with passive investing. Um, and I want to touch on another thing too. I have a question for you. So you mentioned they found a really good deal. Now with real estate today, and as we're recording this, it's April, 2021. Um, I think it's fair to say that real estate right now is super high as far as market values. How do you find good deals even when values are so high and so hot right now? In Michelangelo's day, I'm guessing it was really, really uh, great sculptures, great works of art, great sculptures were in high demand and they were very hard to find one, but marble blocks were everywhere. It's the same thing here. There are certain asset classes and I only know of two, but there's others um, that have incredible intrinsic value. And here's why they have, they have a lot of mom and pop operators. There are about 44,000 mobile home parks in the U S uh, about 85 and as high as 90% of those 44,000 are owned by mom and pop operators. They don't have the knowledge or the desire or the resources to maximize income and therefore get a much higher value on their park. Same with self-storage. There are 53,000 self-storage facilities in the U.S., and about 76% are owned by small operators, 50 of the 76, in other words, about 50% of the total number are actually owned by mom and pop operators who don't have the knowledge, desire, or resources to maximize value. If you can acquire from them, pay what's in their mind top dollar, and it is top dollar because that's what they're selling. And you can take this. I mean, here's one simple example. Imagine getting a self-storage facility for $2 million. Now mm -hmm. imagine it had 1 million in debt from a corporate bank mm -hmm. and then 1 million of equity. That means let's say 10 infinite banking clients got together and we all put in $100,000 each. So we had mm -hmm. a million in it. Now check this out. That self-storage facility, if you only made one change to it, there's a dozen changes you can typically make, but let's just use one to make this, to drive this example home. Mm -hmm. Let's say it was in a location that had a very significant shortage of rental trucks. And I'm talking about U-Haul or Penske, okay? Now, if you could sign a contract with U-Haul, which the previous owner had not done, bring in a bunch of trucks, park them out front, you know, and service those U-Haul trucks in conjunction with U-Haul, you might be able to make from one to $5,000 a month in commission. Let's say it's 3,000 a month. Now here is, if you're going to write something down, here's the formula for commercial real estate investing value. 
Okay, the value is the net operating income divided by the cap rate. Okay, that the cap rate is the general rate of return for that type of asset at that time in that location in that condition. And so I'm getting my calculator out here. Let's say it's $3,000 a month in commission, which is kind of a middle number. It's a good number. That's $36,000 a year. Divide 36 by a cap rate that's pretty typical right now, which is 6%. Mm -hmm. So 36,000 divided by 0 0.06 is $600,000. I just signed a contract with U-Haul, set up these U-Haul trucks out front. I didn't raise the rents. I didn't fill more occupancy. I didn't get rid of the deadbeat tenants. I didn't set up a showroom. I didn't build additional storage. I didn't start boat parking out back. All those things I can do too. Mm -hmm. For that one U-Haul contract, I just took my equity my, you know, the, the investments that the infinite banking clients made that million dollars equity almost instantly went to 1.6 million. I made a 60% profit on the equity just by that one change. And there's dozens of changes we can make. This is what I'm talking about. The intrinsic value, the ability to do the U-Haul was already there based on the asset and the location, but it was being underutilized as a piece of marble, I mean, as a self-storage facility that wasn't maximized, this operator that we partner with knows how to do all those things. And now let's just say he sells it the next day mm -hmm. for 1.6 million. There's a 60% profit right there. It's very, very powerful. Wow. Okay. And then would you say that the fact that you have these the infinite banking clients and the, the capital to it, it makes it faster to close on these larger deals because it's not one, it's not entirely financed through corporate banks. Um, maybe half of it might be, but that half of that's, that's through the infinite banking policies and, and cash, in other words, makes it faster uh, to close on deals and yeah. more competitive for you guys. Yeah. So there were five kids in Beeville, Texas, who were fighting. Their, their parents passed away. They had 607 units in a self-storage facility. They wanted $5 million for this. And it was way too much for what it was. It had terrible delinquency, all kinds of other problems. It was poorly run. My friend went in that we invested with. He looked around. And he said, guys, honestly, this isn't worth anywhere near $5 million. They were all fighting and angry. And he said, I'll give you 2.3 million cash mm -hmm. right now. And they took it, he took that $2.3 million, did all these improvements. Some of the ones I just mentioned, including U-Haul. And he was able to sell it a year and a half later for 4.6 million. Now, here's how the math worked on the cash. He put 2.3 million cash in plus closing costs. We mm -hmm. all invested. Okay. And then, um, what happened is he got the appraised value in just three or four months up to 4.6 million because he knew what he was doing. And when he did that, he went out and got corporate bank debt mm -hmm. for 2 million. That's only 43% loan to value. Huh? Guess what? There was only 400,000 of our collective cash left in this deal. And then he sold it for 4.6 million that 400,000 in that original 2.3 million in cash that was actually only 400,000 after he returned, you know, a lot of the money through refinancing mm -hmm. that money, that 2.3 or four, you know, 400,000 ultimately turned into a two points that 400,000 in the end turned to 2.6 million on the other end. Wow. Man, we made a lot of profit on that. And it was like you said, because the infinite banking clients and other investors had cash available. Wow. 
And that's, that's very powerful. And you mentioned something that kind of resonated right now. It's the knowledge or the know-how. Now, let's say, for example, I'm just, you know, watching a TV show on like flips and, you know, I, I, I think that I can do this on my own. What are some things that I should be wary of, you know, um, before I just go out and do all this on my own? Well, honestly, we, we like to say to people, don't try this at home. Um, this guy has a large team of people. They're well-paid. They've got uh, an acquisition team alone of seven people working the phones full-time, trying to call mom and pop operators. They've got property management. They got everything else. Honestly, I would, even though I've been in real estate for 21 years, I wouldn't even attempt to do this on my, on my own. I invest with the people who know how. There's a great book. I've got it right here. It's called The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. And this book gives people the criteria they might need to, they might want to use to find a partner who can do this kind of stuff. It's not about self-storage and mobile home parks. In fact, it's generally using the examples of apartments. Okay. But the point is you need to find the right partner and invest with them and through them. Okay. And, and this would mean like as a limited investor, right? So a limited yeah, partner. A limited partner. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I and mean, this is what we do. My company does due diligence on these partners, on these operators, I should say. And we basically, we don't publish information. We just put together our own fund with the very best operators and deals we can. And we give our clients, you know, the, the, you know, the infinite banking and other investors an opportunity to invest their cash through us, they take policy loans, they invest with us, and then we place the money in these different deals. Okay. I, I want to touch on uh, taxes real quick. So what are some of the tax benefits of being um, a limited a limited partner? Yeah, a friend of mine who'd been doing real estate for about 20 years said, hey, you know, if the American people knew how little we pay in taxes, there'd be another tax revolt on our hands. In fact, it almost happened last October when there was a lot of squawking around the time of the election about President Trump's tax returns and what, wait, this guy only pays like $750 a year in taxes or whatever it was. <laughs> um, that's pretty normal for commercial real estate investors. It's pretty amazing. Um, without going into a whole lot of detail for time's sake, I can tell you that depreciation allows us to take significant losses mm -hmm. on our real estate. And so if you buy a, let's say a $2 million business, it has, um, let's say it's got a uh, $1 million machine mm -hmm. and it's got a $500,000 building, mm -hmm. $500,000 in the land under the building. Well, the half a million in land can't be depreciated, but the other 1.5 million can be depreciated. And because of the 2017 uh, tax changes, they allow us to depreciate most and sometimes all of that 1.5 million mm -hmm. for the building and the machine all in the first year. Well, think about it. If your profit from that 2 million is 200,000 a year, that's a 10% profit a year. You might have 200,000 in cash flow, mm -hmm. but you might have, um, I didn't even get into the debt part. You might have 200,000 in cash flow, but if you have a $1.5 million loss on your tax return that year, mm -hmm that you can reach carry forward for the next, let's say 10 years. Yeah. That is really, really powerful. You're not going to be paying taxes for a long time. <laughs> and when you use debt, you, let's say you do 50% corporate bank debt. Well, now you only have a million dollars in this. 
but you're getting a million and a half tax write-off in year one. Oh, you wow. see why okay. people love commercial and other real estate? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and this would work really well with also people who are like, for example, high paid W2 employees, like they're yeah. lawyers, engineers, architects. Um, they could leverage, they could not only leverage the tax benefits of doing this, but also the, t- the time and stress part of it too. They don't have to go out and look for these deals. They don't have to make the negotiations. Um, they don't have to hire the contractors. You guys do all that. They are just limited partners um, and then limited in the sense of liability and in the sense of work too, that they have to contribute. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's our whole thesis, you know, and th- this is how I invest. I mean, I, like I said, I could do some of this. I would never want to go back to managing toilets, tenants, and trash when I can have somebody else do it who's obsessive, who's already obsessed with it and doing it full time. Well, Paul, it's it's been a pleasure having you on. I really appreciate all the knowledge, all the expertise you, you've shared. Um, how can listeners connect with you? Uh, the best way would be to sign up for my, uh, I have a free e-course mm-hmm. on uh, commercial real estate investing. And I also have uh, special, special reports and eBooks on self-storage and mobile home parks. It's all available at my website. It's wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S, wellingscapital.com. And you can also put in forward slash e-course to get that free course and learn more about this. Okay. I, I will definitely put all the links in here too. Um, do you give like, do you talk to clients to like free consultations if, if they want to know more? about how this works? Yeah, I got three of them after this today. So we <laughs> talk to people every, almost every day uh, who, you know, they might have high paying jobs, but they realize they can't do this alone. I mean, I had a lady last year who was trying desperately to find houses to flip and she had this light bulb moment. She said on the phone with me, she said, why am I working harder than I need to, to make less than I could? Mm-hmm. So true. <laughs> Well, Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. I'll add in all the links. I look forward to hopefully having you back on the show in the near future. And uh, thanks for joining us today. I would love that. Thank you so much. It's been a real honor to be here. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.